Amen. You may be seated as the choir comes down. If you will open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Good to see Doug Hall back there. Doug had surgery this week and he's already back here with us, aren't you, man? So good to see you back there. Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 5 through 13 today. Let me ask you this question. What are the most annoying things in life? What are the most annoying things in your life? Well, let me give you a few suggestions here. Uh, Slow Wi-Fi, that spinning wheel on your computer, traffic on roads that end in 5, 75, 35, 635, terribly annoying, automated menus that you call whenever you call some number, and thank you for calling, you know, Uh, I figured that one would be a winner in the 830 service, Um, waiting for the doctor to come into that little room. Doesn't it just seem like you're sitting there forever and just waiting and waiting and waiting? Snoring. Your spouse is snoring. How much of, anybody ever have a problem with that? That can be terribly uh, annoying. Um, that motorcycle that goes past you 100 miles per hour on the highway, weaving through traffic. Yeah. Uh, people who talk too loudly on their cell phones. People who pass you while texting on their cell phones. As they go past you. Uh, Worship songs that sing the same words over and over and over again. Sermons that last longer than 30 minutes. 40 minutes, 20 minutes. Wait a second, I'm getting in there, yeah. Modern life is full of annoyances. And in fear of being annoying sometimes, I think we retreat from one of the virtues of life that we do need to embrace, and that is perseverance. So let me ask you this question. What is the difference between annoyance and perseverance? Well, annoyance is selfish. Annoyance lacks awareness of others around you. It wants what you want, when you want it, how you want it, and it doesn't care about anybody else. But persistence is loving. Persistence pushes through challenges. It pushes through obstacles. There is a true need, and so a persistent person continues to push towards a goal, a virtue. There is a love that is ultimately driving your actions to be persistent. So in a lot of areas of life, we need persistence. If you're a teacher, you have to be persistent. If you're a student, you have to be persistent. An athlete has to keep at it. A leader has to be persistent. A mother has to be persistent. When I was a boy, I had a problem closing the cabinet doors. I'd always leave the cabinet doors open. And so my mom would tell me to close the cabinet doors. Now, do you think I got that on the first time? No, she was persistent, and she kept at it. And and moms, and that's just a simple illustration, but in so many areas of life, we need mothers and fathers, parents who are persistent in their children's lives. For you to grow spiritually, for you to grow as a spiritual person on the inside, your soul, you must be persistent. That's one of the reasons why. We encourage you to have the indispensable 30, 30 minutes a day, 
that you spend reading the Bible, praying to the Lord in personal worship. It's why we call you to gather as a church, and as a church family, we come together each week to persistently seek the face of the Lord and to look at His Word and to pray together and to worship together and to to be a part of the church. We persistently pray. The Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing, that prayer is an attitude that we take into every area of life. Understand that persistence is necessary for you to grow spiritually. There's a popular saying that's out there. You'll see, you'll see it posted on social media in various forms uh, quite often. It basically says, I love God, but not religion. I love God, but not religion. Now, the principle or the, the primary thought behind it is actually, actually true. Uh, being a religious person doesn't save anybody. You can read your Bible five times a day, come to church, uh, give to the offering, which we always encourage. But, uh, you know, you can, you can do religious things, and that's not going to save you. The only way that you can be saved is through Jesus Christ. Uh, God has to do the salvation work within you. So, so that's the idea behind it. Yet, at the same time, the word religious is not a bad word. To be religious at something means that you are devoted, committed, consistent, persistent. It means that you're faithful in whatever you're doing. So you can be religious in your exercise habits. You, you exercise three times a year, just like clockwork, right? You can, you can be religious in a lot of different areas, and we need to be consistent in our walk with God. No one is saved by religion, but people who grow spiritually have religious behaviors. They persistently and consistently spend time with God in personal worship, and they consistently, they religiously gather with God's people to worship. They participate in things like life group, and they are a part of the body of Christ. Well, we're working through the Gospel of Luke right now, and in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells two parables. The first is on the need for persistence. The second is on the goodness of God towards His children. And so I have called this sermon today, The Unannoyed Goodness of God. You say, Lash, I'm not sure that unannoyed is a word. You're right. I put that in there just to annoy you a little bit. But if you look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 5, Jesus says, uh, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's perseverance or persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Well, it's been a long day. 
you've worked hard, you've spent 10 hours at the office, and it was crazy, and everybody had expectations of you. Whenever you got in the truck to come home and looked at the traffic, there were little red lines all along the way. You walked in the door, and your wife was upset because she had had the misfortune of spending the day with your son that God blessed with your personality. And so finally, you get dinner cooked. The dishes are cleaned. The blessed hour of bedtime arrived. You got the kids asleep. You're exhausted. You lock down the house, turn out the lights, find the dog, go to bed. And that's when the first text came. You got your phone out. Who in the world's texting me at this hour? And it says, Heidi ho, neighbor. I have a friend in town. Can I borrow three loaves of bread? Say, eh, well, you text them back and you send them a map to the Kroger. <laughs> and you think, well, that'll, well, that'll show them. And then you just kind of go back to sleep. And then five minutes later, the cell phone rings. And you look at the phone and it says, annoying neighbor calling me here. And so you say, I'm just going to click that button and send it to voicemail. And you go back to sleep. Well, as you're sleeping, five minutes later, you hear a knock at the door. Now the dog barks and the baby wakes up. I don't have any personal experience with that. And so you look out the window and there standing at your front door is the annoying neighbor. And you yell out the window, it's midnight, go away. And he yells back at you, hey, all I need is three loaves of bread. Don't you remember the Bible says, love your neighbor and practice hospitality? I have a guest in from out of town. Can't you just spare three loaves of Mrs. Baird's? And so you look in the cupboard, because evidently you're a bread hoarder, and you take those three loaves and you just kind of chunk them out the window at them and say, go, I, I don't have time for all this nonsense, go away. Well, the parable here is designed to move us from a human reaction to God's reaction. From a human perspective... Your neighbor's persistence would be annoying. But from a godly perspective, when we come to him persistently in search of his will and his strength, when we come to him in prayer, our persistence is welcomed by our Heavenly Father. So Jesus says in verse 9, I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who searches finds, and to want through the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Have you ever had a prayer request that was heavy upon your heart, but there were no easy answers? Maybe you lost a loved one. And you found yourself in the grip of grief. And you were praying about it. 
and you needed other people to pray with you. But there was no way to immediately take away the pain. You had to go through the valley of grief. Maybe someone that you love is sick. They have a disease. They have a diagnosis. And you don't know if they're going to live or die. And you bring that prayer request to your life group. And you as a family, you as an individual are praying for this. And this is a difficult prayer request that you pray about Every day, maybe you're going through a dark tunnel, a tunnel of unemployment, a financial struggle in your life, going through some type of struggle. It just seems like it's a tunnel of darkness that will never end. Maybe there's a relationship with somebody that you love, and that relationship has become a war zone. And this individual that you love, now whenever you talk to them, you have a certain amount of dread because you're not sure if the conversation's going to end in massive conflict. How are you supposed to pray about things in life that have no easy answers? How do we pray about these things? Well, Jesus gives us three imperatives here. He says, number one, keep asking. Keep talking to God about it. Number two, keep knocking. Number three, keep searching. Jesus teaches us to persistently go to the Heavenly Father with our prayers. Now let me ask you this question. Whenever we pray, are we Are we trying to change God's mind, or is the goal of prayer to talk God into doing things? Okay, if I just, if I cry enough, if I do this enough, if I'm annoying enough, then God will just say, fine, you can have chocolate ice cream for dinner. I don't care. Is that the goal of prayer? Do you understand that God answers our prayers for His glory? God answers prayers according to His plans. Sometimes whenever we pray about something, and the Bible teaches us to bring our request to God. Those requests could be very basic. Father, I've studied hard for this test. Help me to recall the information on the test. Or they could be something that's really, really deep within us. Lord, pray for healing in my son's life, in my mom's life. And sometimes when we bring those requests to God, he He says yes. And He gives us the very thing that we are asking for. Sometimes whenever we pray about something, He might not say no, but He will say, not now. Maybe there's more going on than you realize. You see, one of the things about being God is that He's omniscient. He knows things that you don't know. Now, we struggle with this, particularly within our freedom culture that we have in the United States because we often try to, in our finite minds, conceptualize the world as God would. But there's times where God says to us, no, this is not my will. This is ultimately not what's best for you. It's not the right time. And then there's times where God says, no, no, that's not what you really need. I think one of the greatest models of prayer is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I, in fact, I usually call the Garden of Gethsemane prayer the model prayer because you see such a realness there. Jesus enters the garden 
and he is in turmoil. He is overcome with the stress and, and the reality of what was facing him with the cross. And he goes into that garden and he asks his friends to come closer to, with him. And he goes into the mouth of the garden and he prays. And he brings a very honest request to God. Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Take this cup from me. And then you also see that he persistently prays. He prays in the garden. He goes back to his friends, finds that they're sleeping. So he returns back to God. And he once again prays. And you see the persistence in his prayer. And then you see that in prayer, Jesus yields his will to God because there's a wonderful line in the prayer of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And as Jesus persistently goes to the Father for prayer, you find God begins ministering to him. Now, did God take away the cross? Question, simple answer. Did God take away the cross? No. But God ministered to him. In fact, we see that angels ministered to him. And Jesus enters the time of prayer in turmoil. And he leaves the time of prayer with strength and focus, ready to face the cross. What had happened in the interval? Jesus had found the strength, the peace that passes all understanding. He had found the presence of God through prayer. Your persistence in prayer does not annoy God. God uses your persistence to prepare your heart to receive His answers. Well, Jesus continues in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Understand this. God is a good God. And God desires to bless you and to use you in ways that go beyond you. God desires to use you in ways that bring glory to Him. Sometimes as Christians, we will go through difficult times. Jesus, God's own Son, went through the difficult time of the cross. He faced rejection and people misunderstood him and he was often in conflict. Does God love his own son? Yes. As Christians, we will go through difficult times, but our difficult times are not beyond the purposes of God. And you can rest and live in the unchanging goodness of God. And so Jesus uses a couple of illustrations here. There's not a father in here that would take your little kid water moccasin fishing. Okay, there's not a mother in here that would take your child water moccasin fishing, okay? Uh, there's, there's not anybody that if, if your child asks for an egg, that you're going to give them a scorpion. Okay, those are wretched creatures, are they not? Those scorpions. I, I, have, you ever, have I ever told you my scorpion story? Karis was, Karis right here in the front row, was just a baby, maybe 10, 11 months old. Sunday afternoon, we were living up in Denison, Texas at the time, getting ready to put her down for a nap. And so I've got her, she's kind of fussing about the nap. 
but we're like, you're going to do it. <laughs> you're taking a nap. And so I, I, I start putting her in the crib, and right there in the middle of her crib was a scorpion about that long. Yeah, you say, well, what'd you do? I killed that sucker, you know? I've never taken karate class, but I became a seventh-degree black belt right there. I mean, that, that scorpion was gone, you know? Those, those, those scorpions, they just, they're, they're, they're just not pretty creatures. But God doesn't always give us what we want. But He always gives us what we need to be the people that He's calling us to be. God never denies us His presence. He never says to us, go away. I'm busy. Can't you see the door is locked? It's too late. Come back in the morning. The passage says the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. He will give us His very presence. He gives us Himself. Isn't that really all that we need? The very presence of God? And so, in verse 13, the story ends with Jesus saying, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The presence of God is never far from the prayers of God's people. If you look throughout history, the great movements of God, when God brought revival to communities, when God brought awakening to nations, when God brought healing to families, when God turned lives around in dramatic ways, it was always accompanied by the prayers of God's people. The presence of God is never far from the prayers of God's people. And the passage says that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. He gives us His presence. He gives us our salvation. He grants us His grace. And so one final question for you today. What prayer request do you bring with you to church today? What's the prayer request that's on your heart? Would you be so kind as to bow your heads? And the band's going to come here and lead us in a time of invitation. And during that time of invitation, I'll be here at the front. And if there's anything that I may pray with you about, it's my joy to do so. Today's your day of salvation. I'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a Christian and how you can, you can become a believer in Jesus Christ today. With our heads bowed here for just a moment, I want to invite you to lift that prayer request up to God. You may want to pray as an individual. Pray with your spouse, pray with your family, your friends. Let's just take a moment to lift up the request of our heart to God. I know that in some cases that request might be even a little painful. Come to God with it today.
During our time of singing today, I, I encourage you, if you'd like to continue praying, while others stand, you can just remain seated. If you want to pray as a family, you can pray as a family. Maybe you're sitting by your mom. It'd be a great time just to have a family prayer. Thanking your mother for the impact she's had upon you. Maybe your mom's not here with you. But you can draw near to the Lord. And thank the Lord for the way in which your mom loved you and nurtured you. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before you. And we confess our total need for you. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your presence. And so, Father, today we bring to you the request of our hearts. In some cases, Lord, those requests, we're so blessed that those requests are actually, in the broad scope of things, pretty simple. In some cases, Lord, we understand that those requests are very, very deep. They come from the corners of our soul. But we bring them to you. And Lord, we're thankful that you are not a God that doesn't have time for us. You're not a God that gets annoyed by our prayers. You're a God who opens the door and listens. You're a God in which we can trust, a God who is good, a God who is loving, a God who desires what is very best for our life and what, what is best for the world around us. And so we find rest and strength in you today, Lord. Lord, in those areas of life where we have no easy answers, we run to faith and we embrace your presence. And thank you, Father, that you grant us a peace that goes beyond us. Thank you, Lord, for your magnificent love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.